Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Matthew, chapter 26, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter 26. If you haven't been with us, a couple of weeks ago, not last week, but the week prior, we we actually completed a series of teachings that I titled, uh, The Coming of the King. And it was Jesus in Matthew chapter 24 and 25 in the Olivet Discourse. He's preaching a sermon uh, in response to three questions that were, was asked by the disciples. Questions about the end times. And... In response to these three questions, Jesus gave a really long answer. It's actually in Matthew 24 and 25, known as the Olivet Discourse. Matthew 24 and 25 is simply about the return of Christ, as Jesus graphically describes the second coming. And he says at the end of that teaching, if you were with us, he says that he's going to come in power and great glory. Now listen and listen close. Before all of Matthew 24 and 25 can happen, before he can come in power and great glory, before all the signs of the end times and the wars and the rumors of wars and the abomination of desolation, before all these things, Jesus is going to have to die. That's what Matthew chapter 26 is all about. Everything that we read in chapter 26 and 27 is in the shadow of the cross. This is the last week in the life of our Lord on earth. And there in chapter 26 and 27, it's all about the sacrificial death of Jesus. It's all about the preparation of Jesus Christ preparing for his death on the cross. That's what I want to talk to you about. I want to talk to you about four types of preparation of Jesus' death. Got a pen? Got a pad? Here's our outline. Jesus' death on the cross was number one, we'll develop these, was number one, predetermined by God. We're going to find that in verses one and two. And then Jesus' death on the cross was plotted by the Jewish leaders. And we'll see that in verse three through five. Not only was his death predetermined by God and plotted by the Jewish leaders, but also his death was perfumed by Mary. Perfumed by Mary? Oh, yeah. And then finally, we'll talk about Jesus' death was prearranged by Judas in verses 14 through 16. Predetermined by God, verses 1 and 2. Plotted by the Jewish leaders in verse 3 through 5. Perfumed by Mary in verses 6 through 13. And then finally, we'll talk about Jesus' death was prepared or prearranged, pardon me, by Judas in verses 14 through 16. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. Those four points, 
Matthew chapter 26, saints, beginning in verse 1. If you're with me, say amen. Amen. And it came to pass in verse 1, when Jesus had finished all these sayings, underline that, would you? That he said to his disciples, you know that after two days is the Passover, and the Son of Man will be, underline that, delivered up to be crucified. Well, then the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders of the people, they assembled at the palace of the high priest. His name is Caiaphas. And they plotted to take Jesus, note this, by trickery and to kill him. But they said in verse 5, not during the feast, lest there be an uproar among the people. Well, let's just stop right there. Give me your attention. Point number one, Jesus' death was predetermined by God. As I said, Jesus is teaching on the Mount of Olives. And when he finishes his sermon, did you notice that? He starts talking about death. Did you catch the scene? The disciples are up there. I mean, the disciples are up on the mountain with him. He's teaching about the end times. The wars, the rumors of wars, the famines, the pestilence, all of the things that's going to take place during the tribulation. The Antichrist is going to raise his, his ugly head and... People are going to take the mark of the beast, and he goes through all of that. He's caught up in all this prophetic stuff, and it's almost like abruptly. In chapter 26, he comes out of that kind of prophetic teaching, and he, and, and he snaps them back into, play, back into reality. And he says, hey, fellas, before all that happens, the Son of Man is going to die. They're caught up about talking about the end times, and now... Jesus says, fellas, in two days, I'm going to be crucified. Now, in the Gospel of Matthew alone, five times, Jesus talks about the fact that he is going to die. It is predetermined. Five times in Matthew alone, over and over again in the Gospels. John chapter 12, verse 27, you might remember Jesus is in the garden. And he's praying. He's praying so hard, he's sweating great drops of blood. And as he prays, he says, my soul is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, he said, I came to this hour. It was predetermined. You remember the greatest evangelistic sermon ever preached by Peter in Acts chapter 2. As he's standing before the people. And Peter said, talking about Christ, him being delivered by the Determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands and you have crucified and you've put him to death. Predetermined. And Revelation chapter 13, verse 8 says, And all who dwell on the earth will worship him, whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the earth. Again, predetermined. This is important for you to understand. Because people say, listen, poor Jesus. Man, they took Jesus and they killed him. Poor Jesus, as if he was helpless. As if he didn't know. Listen, no one killed Jesus. The Bible says that he laid down his life. Nobody killed him. It was all predetermined in the foreknowledge of God and he knew exactly what was going on. Jesus understood that and he knew that he must die. He knew exactly how he would die. He knew that he was born to die. 
It was all predetermined. And did you notice? I had you on the line in verse 2. The Son of Man, notice, will be delivered up. He said that. Everything was on God's timetable. This is what I want you to know. Remember, Matthew is a Jew writing to the Jews about the king of the Jews. And because Jesus is the king of the Jews, then everything is on his schedule. There's there's nothing out of line. Everything's happening right on time. He knew he was going to die. He came to give his life a ransom for many. Don't you know? Don't you understand? He came to give his life for us. They didn't take it. The Bible says very clearly he was no victim. He laid his life down. It was all predetermined. Point number one. Point number two, Jesus' death was plotted by the Jewish leaders. We just read it in verse 3 through 5. Now, don't miss this. While Jesus talked with his disciples on the Mount of Olives, at the same time, did you get that? The chief priests, the scribes, and the elders of the people, they had a meeting at the, house of, at the palace of Caiaphas. Now, Caiaphas was a puppet king. Caiaphas was a political guy. He was appointed by the Romans. He reigned in office for about 50 years, which tells us he was very political because no one could stay in office as for 50 years without being political, without playing the political game. So Caiaphas was Roman appointed and he was a puppet king. And it's during the time that Jesus is talking with his disciples that Caiaphas and his boys are getting together and someone in that meeting comes up with a bright idea and they say, hey, let's figure out a way to kill Jesus. And we can do it with trickery and deception. Did you notice that? And they didn't want to do it during the feast. They wanted to do it before the Passover. Why? Because it might start a riot. Just days before, Jesus came riding into Jerusalem on a donkey and the people started waving palm branches and saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The people loved Jesus when he came into Jerusalem. But in just a few days, those same people who are saying Hosanna, Hosanna are going to be the same people who are saying crucify him, crucify him. We will not have this man to rule over us. Folks are fickle. One minute they love you. Next minute, they'll crucify him. You know, some of them, I learned this a long time ago. Don't let people put you up on a pedestal. Because they'll take that pedestal from under your feet and beat you over the head with it. <laughs> Say amen, saints. You know that's the truth. Now you're preaching, pastor. All right, right? Folk crazy. So they sought to do this with trick. Now, they didn't want to do it during the Passover. The Passover, listen, understand, there were actually two feasts in the same week. The people came from all over the world to gather in Jerusalem for the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which lasted for seven days. The Passover feast lasted for one day. The Passover feast was pre-law. The fat Passover feast isn't Levitical. It's one of the most ancient of all celebrations for the Jewish people. It was established before the law. So when the people came together, they actually came together for two feasts, although people referred to it as one, the Feast of Passover. But it was actually seven days of the Feast of Unleavened Bread and one day for the Feast of the Passover. 
And so people came together to celebrate the Passover. Now, you remember the story of the Passover and how that began. It's back in the book of Exodus. You might remember the people were in bondage to Egypt, probably 1,500 years earlier than when we're reading. The people were in bondage in Egypt, and they were brutalized, being brutalized, and they were baking bricks, and, and they cried out to God for a deliverer, and God raised up Moses, you know the story, to deliver them out of Egypt into the promised land. And then God sent a series of plagues, and the last plague that was sent was the death angel, who was to go through and fly through the land, killing the firstborn of every home Unless the angel saw the blood of the lamb posted on the, watch this, doorpost and lintel. That's great. So the angel flies over, the death angel, to kill the firstborn of every household. Of all of the Jewish people who had faith enough to believe that if they simply take the blood of the lamb, take a hyssop bush, dip it in the bucket, put it on the door, put it on the lintel. When the angel of death flew over, he would pass over their house. That's the feast of Passover. And so the people took the blood. They put it on their house and they were spared. That's what the Jewish people celebrate, the feast of Passover, their deliverance out of Egypt. So people came from all over the world to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. Now listen, a Jewish historian by the name of Josephus, He records for us and tells us that there were as many as, get this, 250,000 lambs slaughtered during the Passover. Exodus tells us that one lamb or sheep was used for a household of 10 people, which if you do the math, 250,000 lambs being slaughtered, and, 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 and for 10 people, one lamb for 10 people, well, then we know that there were at least two. 0.5 million people in the city of Jerusalem during the feast of the Passover. Now, I tell you that to tell you this, that's a lot of folks, y'all. That'd be like putting 2.5 million people in Apex. You think traffic is bad now? Y'all complain about traffic? You ain't seen nothing yet. Now, listen, if you've been to Israel, you know that it's a small city. It's not a big city at all. We're going to go again in November 2005, and you'll see that it isn't a large city. So the lambs could only be killed, get this, on one day because the Passover is a one-day event. The lambs could be killed in one day, but not only in one day, but also in a two-hour window. The lambs had to be killed from 3 to 5 p.m. So in two hours, 250,000 animals or lambs were slaughtered in the temple. Someone once noted that there would be as many as 600 priests killing an average of four lambs per minute to accomplish the task. Well, I tell you that to tell you this, that's a lot of blood. And don't you imagine the priests are standing there in their white robes. Each priest have to kill four lambs in a minute. There's a lot of slaughtering going on. And the priests, their garments and their white garments would be soaked with blood from the lamb. And the, and the blood from the lamb would make puddles around them. And the blood that made the puddles where they slaughtered the lamb would run down from the temple into a little stream, into a creek, 
known as the Kidron Valley. And so blood is flowing. And there's a lot of people. So that tells us that the people would literally, because the, flow, the blood is flowing from the Temple Mount, that the people would literally be tracking blood all over the city. And that makes me think of the verse in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 22, and it says, According to the law, almost all things are purified by the blood, for without the blood there is no remission of sin. And so the blood is flowing. In the brook of Kidron, Kidron Valley in a little creek, and the water is very clear. But during the Passover, the blood would flow from the temple down into this clear water, now causing the water to be crimson red. And it would be Jesus who later would cross that very same brook, headed toward the Garden of Gethsemane. And I got a sanctified imagination. I got to think that as Jesus crossed over the brook and he saw the, the water mixed with blood. Might he think about in just a few short days, blood and water is going to flow from my side. It could be. And so it's during the feast of the Passover. In just a few short hours. Jesus, in a few short days, Jesus is going to die. Point number three, got to move on. Jesus' death not only pre, is predetermined. Are you with me so far? Say amen. His death is predetermined. His death was plotted by the Jewish people, the Jewish leaders. But also in verse 6 through 13, let's read it together. His death is perfumed by Mary. Look at verse 6. And when Jesus was in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, a woman came to him having an alabaster flax of very costly fragrant oil. And she poured it on his head as he sat at the table. But when his disciples saw it, they were indignant. And we know who that was, was Judas, remember? And, and, and I'll tell you a little secret. It really isn't a secret because it's in the Bible. But all the other disciples, they were saying that too. They were agreeing. So they were, dis they were indignant saying, why this waste for this fragrant oil might have been sold for much and given to the poor? But when Jesus was aware of it, he said to them, why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a good work for me. For you have the poor with you always, but me you do not have always. For in pouring this fragrant oil on my body, she did it for my burial. And assuredly, I say to you in verse 13, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. Now stop right there. Give me your attention. Apparently, Jesus has been invited to eat in the home of an ex-leper. We know that he is an ex-leper because if he were a leper currently, he wouldn't be living in Bethany. He'd be living in a leopard colony far from Bethany. We know that he's an ex-leper because he is Simon. We know the scriptures tell us that Jesus healed the lepers and Jesus healed Simon. So, Simon, it could be, Jesus healed him, and he wanted to give Jesus a thank you lunch, or a thank you dinner. And so, he invites Jesus to his house. Listen at this. 
tradition, church history tradition tells us that Simon the leper was the father of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Interesting. So we know that this was a good-sized dinner. There were several people, at least 17 people at this dinner. John chapter 12 tells us, you put the gospel accounts together, that Lazarus was at the dinner. Mary and Martha were at the dinner. Simon was at the dinner, the leper. Jesus was at the dinner. That's five. And then add 12 disciples. So we know that there were at least 17 people at this dinner. And don't you find it interesting? I do that at this dinner table, there are a lot of used to be's. You notice that Simon, who used to be a leper. Lazarus, who used to be dead. Amen. <laughs> He's like, praise God, I'm at the dinner. <laughs> I'm thank, I'm gonna get worship. <laughs> praise the Lord. I'm glad to be at the dinner. They used to be dead. And then you got the twelve disciples where they used to be a bunch of stuff. I'm looking at a room full of used to be's right now. Y'all, I'm hoping y'all used to be. I'm hoping you ain't and still is. Because if you is, we need to talk. Let's talk. But there's a bunch of used-to-be's at this dinner, and I just got to imagine this. You know, I, I'm sure that they probably just sitting around and, and, you know, giving their testimony. Just giving their testimony. You know, we, we used to church, and maybe you might remember this, but we, we used to have testimony service at church. I, I, come, I come from that church, y'all. We used to, I mean, you could just get up at any time in the service and just give a, give a testimony. You want to get up and testify. I'm going to testify. And there was a way to do this now. There was no, you know, you had a, there was a protocol. There was a way to introduce your testimony. So you would stand up and say, give it on to God. Praise the Lord, saints. And the body say, praise the Lord. <laughs> give it on to God who's ahead of my life to the pastor and the first lady. Thank God I'm saved, sanctified, baptized, and filled and thrilled with the precious Holy Ghost and that with fire. Come on now, y'all. <laughs> right? Yeah, and then the folk, you get, get going. Folks be like, ooh, go on now. Hey, thank you. Okay, so there's a way to introduce this thing now. If you know what I'm talking about, say amen. I feel like I'm by myself. Saved and sanctified, wow, filled with the Holy Ghost, you know. And then you start going to give your testimony, you know, God is saying. So I'm kind of thinking that, you know, you got Lazarus who used to be a leper. Oh, pardon me, who, 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 Lazarus who, maybe he was a leper and then he died. You don't know. Simon who used to be a leper, and he probably got up and said, you know, at the testimony, you know, pray the Lord, saints. The disciples said, pray the Lord, <laughs> you know. Gave it up, thank God I'm saved. And Simon probably said, Lord, thank you so much for healing me. I just want to testify and give thanks to Jesus who is in our midst. And, you know, I just want to, you know, he kind of right there, you know what I mean? I'm like, Jesus. And, and uh, you know, <laughs> and I just want to give praise and honor to the man because he healed me and my skin was falling off. And my fingers fell off, but he healed me. And Lazarus probably got up and said, praise the Lord. 
I'm fresh out of the grave. (laughs) But thank you, Jesus, I'm here. And, you know, I just love testimonies. You know, I, you know I, I just love to hear, you know, I talk to people all the time. And the thing I want to know, I want to know how big your car is and how big your house is and how nice stuff is. And I don't want to know what you do for a living. I want to know what Jesus did in your life. That's my, my question is to you. You know, what did God do in your life? That's what I want to know. I'll, I'll ask people in a minute. So when did you get saved? And, you know, folk, you know, you should, don't, don't take too long to answer now. You know, when you get saved, are you saved? You know, but, you know, I love to just talk to people and say, hey, what did God do in your life? And how did, you know, Lord, the Bible says that we overcome by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. And don't you ever stop giving your testimony. Well, while they're in the house giving their testimony, this woman came in. Did you notice from our text? She came in with an alabaster box of ointment. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.